0: From the pros to the amateur ranks, Stanley Cup to World Cup, there's not a game he won't discuss. TSN 1260 presents All Sports Weekend with Mark Majot. Text us at 10 1260. Email sportsweekend at tsn1260.ca or call 444 1260. Two o'clock on the nose on Saturday afternoon. Welcome to All Sports Weekend. As that fancy voice man just said, my name is Mark Mugeot. You get me for the next two hours of edutainment on a mostly sunny 22 degrees in Edmonton. We have a lot to get to over the next two hours. The Olympics, they're in full swing. There's another medal we can update you or for Team Canada. We have some baseball to discuss. And of course, as you just heard, Matthew Wanick got you set with the Montorio Homes Green and Gold kickoff show. The Eskimos are taking on the Argonauts. From BMO Field will keep you updated as that game moves along. Stories to get to today. We'll be joined by Simi Buttar from the AP to discuss the National Football League as some preseason games took place last night. And this regular season kicks off in just a few weeks, also, where a lot of people will be getting their fantasy drafts. will get Simi's thoughts. On that, Alan Kreider from the New York Times will join us. The New York Rangers agreed to terms to Jimmy VC, the highly touted NCAA free agent. I'm going to get Alan's thoughts on that. If he could be an impact player right away and also what he's made of the New York Rangers offseason. Jeff Fox will join us. He's the founder and editor-in-chief of MMAManifesto.com. UFC 202 goes tonight from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. You know the main event. It's Nate Diaz. It's Conor McGregor, a rematch from UFC 196 when Diaz choked out Conor McGregor. We'll see if there's any differences in this fight. That fight ended in the second round. Nate Diaz had a short camp. As a Conor McGregor's, that fight was kind of thrown together last minute due to injuries. But now that they've had a lot of time to prepare for this, I'm curious if we're going to see a different result. We're going to get to that at 3 o'clock. And Corey Graham was supposed to join Low Tide. But since I can't book my own guests, he couldn't join Lord Tide, but Corey said he would join us. So, all that to come, we'll get to your text at 10 12, 60. Standard message rate supply. You can also email sportsweekend at tsn 1260.ca, and we'll open up the phone lines a little bit later at 780 444 1260. All week long, I've been working on the Jason Greger show from 2 to 6 with Fred Paperdick, who is still hanging around the building. But, Hernan, it seems like it's been. What, two weeks, two, three weeks since we last worked together? Hernan Salas, producer extraordinaire. I've missed you. How have you been, Hernan?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been, it seems like it's been a while. Well, because you've been uh, working
0: your bag off, too. You're doing the night show. You're all over the place.
1: Yes, it's been a busy, busy summer. Uh, but you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. So glad to be back, Uh Producing for uh, Mr. Michaud. Yeah,
0: it's glad to be working with you. I will talk NFL later on in this show. You're a 49ers fan. Let's get into this right away. Right now, <laughs> which team is going to win more? My team or your team? The 49ers or the New York Jets? Uh,
1: Yeah, New York Jets by yeah. far. It's they, not even close. You're not
0: really that optimistic at all about the 49ers chances this year, are you? No. Uh,
1: you know, just looking at their team and their offense and, you know, who's going to start at quarterback, uh, new coaching stuff. I just, I'll i be shocked if they win three games.
0: Uh, Yesterday on the Jason Greger show. Uh, I was working with Fred, as I mentioned. Fred doesn't have an NFL team, so we put it out to the listeners, and we all decided Fred will now cheer for the Minnesota Vikings.
1: (laughs) I saw that. Why Minnesota? That's...
0: (laughs) I think we just had a couple texts techs that uh, yeah. chime in and like their uniforms. They got AP. Their quarterback <laughs> was one of the best names in sports and Teddy no, Bridgewater. Teddy so he went with the Vikings.
1: Nice. And they got a nice young uh, rookie receiver coming in as well. Absolutely. So yeah. a Brand
0: new stadium and it's close to travel too. So it makes sense for So Freddie Fred's Kane.
1: now a Vikings he fan. He
0: is now, he is, yes, he is now their most popular fan. He has replaced Prince as the most popular fan of the Minnesota Vikings. The Olympics are in full swing. Canada added to their medal. Total today is... Catherine Pedral winning bronze in the cross-country mountain bike. That brings Canada's medal total now up to 22. They have tied the amount of medals they won back in 1996 in Atlanta. The most Canada has ever won at the Summer Games is 44 back in 1984. They're not going to get to 44, obviously, but they have a chance to beat their best total in 20 years. And I've said this, this has been a successful Olympic Games. They've beat their totals. From last year, they've tied their most in 20 years. This is the most golds Canada has won at the Summer Games since 1992: four golds, three silvers, and 15 bronze. And there's still a couple chances for Canada to add to that medal total. I meant I mentioned Catherine Pedro winning bronze today. Her teammate actually finished fourth. I went into a movie last night before the four, or right after the four by 100 meter ended, and I thought, ah, Canada fourth place. It's unfortunate, but hey, it happens. Then it come out of the movie and they got a bronze. So congratulations to the 4x100 meter team. A question for you and a question for our listeners. By you, I mean Hernan. Hernan, we're looking ahead to the next Summer Games 2020. Which Olympian do you have higher expectations for? Andre DeGrasse, or Penny Oleksiak? Ooh. I'm going to go as you think about that. And I apologize if I steal your answer. I go Penny Oleksiak. Simply because she is 16 years old. I know DeGrasse is still very young; he's 21. But Penny Oleksiak, in her first Olympics, won four medals, and she's 16 years old. Imagine what she can do at 20 and 24. I have expectations for both those athletes, but to me, I have a lot more expectations on Penny Oleksiak for 2020. How about you?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, I think both are going to be tremendous uh, come uh, in the coming years. But you got to go with Penny Oleksiak, like you you, know, you just alluded to. Sixteen years old and and let's be honest, none of us knew no. before she raised. I'm sure, I'm
0: sure the swimming community did, but she was not a household name. Yeah.
1: And like to come out and win four medals at yeah. sixteen years old, like and she's only gonna get better. So yeah, for me it's gotta be Penny Alexia.
0: It is fun to watch the four by one hundred meter relay team watching that race uh, last night. The future is bright for Canadian at uh, Canadian athletics, both at the Olympics, and we've talked a lot about, you know, the men's and women's basketball team hopefully rising up this Canadian uh, senior women's team won bronze at the Olympics in soccer. It's looking up for Canadian athletes. Now if they can just get that those men's teams figured out, that's a different story. But the ladies continue to dominate at the Olympics. 22 medals for Canada so far. Uh, chances to add to that total. Later tonight at 5.30, Alexandra Treasure is going for gold in the women's high jump final. That goes at 5.30. Melissa Bishop in the women's 800-meter final. That's at quarter after six. Mohamed Ahmed in the 5,000 meters. That begins at 6.30. And Canada is also involved in the four by 400 meter relay that gets going at seven o'clock. So four more chances to medal for Canada. And that's just today. Tomorrow, a couple of Canadians are in the marathon as well as mountain biking. And uh, Brooke Henderson at golf today finished seventh. She couldn't really rally after that third round where she, I don't want to say exploded, but she did struggle in that third round. So Canada still a few chances to add to the medal total. They have tied their total of 22 that they got way back in Atlanta 1996. Things are looking up uh, tomorrow. Also, one other note. Uh, Team USA takes on Serbia for gold at men's basketball at 12.45 in the Olympics. Just as soon as they are here, they are quickly going. We'll update you if anything breaks. Uh, We're on the air till at 4 o'clock today. I should also mention the Eskimo game is underway. Matthew Wanick will slide up at halftime to give his thoughts on the first half. We'll keep you updated if anything happens, good or bad, for the green and gold kickoff in mere moments from BMO Field. Last night in the world of baseball, the Blue Jays opened up a three-game set against the Cleveland Indians, and that's not the way the Blue Jays drew it up to begin that series. They had a lead in the ninth, and Osuna, who's been really good this season for the Blue Jays, gives up a home run to Jose Ramirez, and the ever-popular walk-off inside the park home run, Tyler Naquin almost hit a regular home run. Michael Saunders couldn't quite get to it, a lot of speed. Losing on inside the park home run is definitely not the way you want to do it, but entering action today, well, actually last night, Forget get to say last night, though, good news for the Jays. The Orioles did lose. Portia, the Red Sox won. So the Jays are still in first place, entering action this afternoon. They still lead the AL East by half a game in Baltimore by a game and a half. That Boston just a half game back. They continue, the Blue Jays do, they continue their series against the Cleveland Indians. First pitch at 5-10 tonight. Aaron Sanchez takes to the mound with his 12-2 record. Meanwhile, Josh Tomlin will take to the mound for the Tribe. And meanwhile... The Orioles, who lost last night, they continue their series against the Astros. That gets going at 5 o'clock. And the Detroit Tigers take on the Boston Red Sox. It also gets going at 5 o'clock. Two games that Blue Jays fans are paying very close attention to. Also, a very special night. We'll get to the It's a very busy day in the world of sports, obviously. And I know that uh, the Pipeline Show played a lot of Tragically Hip. Wow. Tragically, it will play their final show tonight. It'll be broadcast on CBC. Uh, join our staff at the Canadian Brew House. So we'll be all over the place, not just staff from TSN 1260, but from the Bear. Uh, I know Dee Millard will be out in Spruce Grove, I believe, tonight. The concert begins at 6:30, and it'll be probably pretty, uh, pretty emotional. Even if you didn't, if you're not a big hip fan, I definitely recommend tuning into that for just a couple seconds. It gets going at 6:30, and quite possibly the most disastrous start for the Edmonton Eskimos. That's it's,
1: amazing. It's
0: hard to do a show when you're focusing with a live game going on. But the Argos they get a rouge on the first play of the game, so right away the Argonauts are up one nothing. Mike Riley takes to the field. Was that their first play?
1: Yeah, first play from scrimmage. Their
0: first play from scrimmage. Mike Riley throws a pick six. So the Eskimos are currently down seven nothing. Probably very soon to be uh eight nothing. I'm just they got a shot of the crowd. If, it, oh, if a pick man. six happens in Toronto and nobody sees it, does it still count?
1: <laughs> that was. A,
0: I think there's more people in the studio right now than they're at the game in Toronto.
1: Yeah, I ain't no quarterback, but that was a bad throw. And then just looking at the crowd from the camera angles, Mark, that is a small crowd. Not wow. what they were looking for.
0: So the Eskimo, I'm kind of blown away. Eskimo's already down 8 nothing, And the game is, what, 30 seconds old? Wow. So Argonauts lead 8 0. Still 14 17 to go in the first quarter. We'll keep you updated on that. Not a very good start. Not a very good start for the Evans Eskimos. Mentioned you can text anytime, 10, 12, 60. Standard message rates apply. Uh, I was talking about the 1984 Olympic Games, how that was highest, or Canada's highest medal total at the Olympics. He says, dude, remember when discussing 84, the asterix, no Soviets. Yeah, there were no uh, Soviets at the games in 1984. That's a very good point by Craig texting in. Um, we'll see if Canada obviously not going to get 44, but they could obviously top their medal total um, from the Atlanta games. I'm still blown away by that pick six. Like that really kind of caught me off guard. So Matthew Wanek will join us at halftime to discuss uh, what's going on. Also, we chatted yesterday on the Jason Greger show. Uh, John Stanton, join joined us. This is the Edmonton Marathon. If you still want to join in late, that kicks off tomorrow morning, the Edmonton Marathon. Go to edmontonmarathon.ca. There's still chances to register, and they have over like close to 5,000 competitors. It's going to be a great event going on tomorrow. And also going on, that gets going, uh, another game gets going in about two hours' time, the FC Edmonton, the Eddies. They've been playing really good football as of late or soccer as of late. I know the peers get upset when I call it football. It's soccer. Either way, they've won four straight, nine straight at home, four straight in general. They take on the Tampa Bay Rowdies. that gets going in about three and a half hours time. The Eddie's playing incredible defensive football right now. Matt Van Okel has been outstanding between the pipes. We had Steve Sandor on yesterday to discuss it. They're giving up essentially half a goal a game, which I'm no mathematician, but that seems like pretty good at. Hernan, you follow soccer a lot more closely than me. The Eddie's, we've criticized them at, on this show at times for being too defensive, but right now it's really hard to criticize Colin Miller and the standings that the Eddies see themselves in right now.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, with the record they have and, you know, the win streak at home and, you know, and the position they're sitting in, in the standings, it's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, 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 <laughs> you know, go against Colin yeah, Miller's been, uh, strategy, it's but working it's working, right it's working and it's, it's, it's effective. So good on the Eddie's and it's yeah. it's nice to see the crowds are getting bigger and that this team's going to go into the playoffs and, and hopefully, you know, fill out that stadium.
0: Uh, soccer of a, another type. The English Premier League's been off for a couple weeks, and we we're talking before the show, kind of preparing. You said it's early, but when do you let yourself get excited for Premier League? Are you excited now? Are you hanging out with Paul Almeida in early Saturday mornings <laughs> watching games, or do you wait? Do you wait a couple weeks?
1: I've, I've always liked the EPL. I think it's the best league in the world because of the parity. Um, and I'm, I'm also in an EPL fantasy league with 20 other guys, so it's EPL uh, fantasy. Oh yeah, it's is that real, a big
0: deal, or am I just incredibly ignorant? Has
1: that been around for a while? Uh, we just joined last year, but I guess it's been around for a few years. And it's really wow. fun. It's it's fun. Uh, I'm not doing so well right now, but it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, Mark.
0: Uh, UFC 202 goes tonight from Las Vegas. Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor. They've had an interesting week with some of their press conferences uh, so far. They had the bottle incident. They've had the police had to separate them at weigh-in. How much of this do you believe is real? And how much of this is them trying to sell pay-per-views? I've kind of gone back and forth on this. At first, I think it was just guys trying to sell sell pay-per-views. Clearly, there's some animosity between these two guys. McGregor is a very cocky individual, but as is Nate Diaz, right? I think you have to be pretty sure of yourself, and you're going to get in that type of sport, in that cage type of combat. But watching this week, I think they've done a really good job at selling that pay-per-view. Maybe some of the hardcore still aren't going to flinch at this card tonight. Anthony Johnson versus Glover Teixeira could be a good fight as well. As could be uh, Rick Story versus Daniel Cowboy Cerrone. but I think they've done a good job of trying to sell this to the masses. As the UFC, they've kind of struggled the last couple pay-per-views not having Jon Jones, Brock Lesnar, test like there's a lot of steroids going on in MMA right now and they're getting caught for it. So it's been an interesting kind of month or so for the UFC, but did McGregor and Diaz do a good job or do you think that all looks bad and pre-contrived?
1: Uh, for me, it's getting old. I mean, I saw it with Chael Sonnen and Anderson Silva, and you've seen it with so many others. That it for me, it's just Conor McGregor. Yeah, he's 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 a great fighter. You know, we'll see what happens today. But the whole, you know, throwing bottles and the sticking up the middle finger, and honestly, for me, Mark, um, for me, yeah. it, it's getting old, and I just don't pay attention to it.
0: Really? So you don't? You don't? Wow!
1: Like, I'll, you, st- you, I'll watch the yeah. fight, but I don't need to see. You don't all need that. that. that they garbage. have you sold yeah. anyways.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's. I I don't. I enjoyed watching. I just don't know. I watched. I said it on the Gregor show. I watch too much pro wrestling. I don't know what is real or what is. I don't know what to believe anymore. To be perfectly Let's
1: honest. be honest, Mark. Everybody wants to watch this fight because of what happened in the first one. So all these antics, whether it's real or not, I and I'll I'll be honest. After this fight tonight, they're gonna hug and they're gonna be nothing but respect. So it was a show, and I understand why they do it, and a lot of guys do it. But I just, for me, I don't have time for that.
0: Uh, We'll see UFC 202 goes later tonight. Uh, Another quick rundown of the guests, and then we'll go to a quick timeout on All Sports Weekend. Simi Butaro joins us from the AP to discuss the NFL's regular season is a few weeks away. Alan Kreider from the New York Times will discuss the New York Rangers winning the Jimmy VC sweepstakes. Jeff Fox is the founder and editor in chief of MMA Manifesto. He'll get his thoughts on UFC 202 tonight from Vegas. And if he gets around to answering his phone, Corey Graham, the voice of the Edmonton Old Kings, will join us to discuss. It's been a very bizarre offseason in the Western Hockey League. They've lost a few kind of long term staples in the WHL, and uh, Kelly McCrimmon going to Las Vegas. Tim Spelts is leaving the Spokane Chiefs. We'll get Corey's thoughts on that. I know he's been watching the Olympics. We'll get his thoughts on that. I want to ask you guys, text 101260, standard message rates apply. Uh, Which Canadian athlete do you have higher hopes for next Summer Olympics? Is it Andre Degrasse? Is it Penny Oleksiak? Or is it someone we're not even discussing? Text 101260 with your thoughts on that. 216 in Edmonton. It is 22 degrees. You're listening to All Sports Weekend on TSN 1260, Edmonton Sports League. You're listening to All Sports Weekend with Mark Majot on Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. 222, welcome back to All Sports Weekend. Mark Majot Hernan Salas with you on Saturday, August 20th. The Eskimos are down 8-0, still very early in the first quarter. Mike Riley threw a pick six on his first play from scrimmage. The is now moving the ball downfield. Keep you updated as this game moves along. That is north of the border. We're going to go south of the border now to discuss the NFL, which officially kicks off in, I guess, three or four weeks. We have some preseason action to discuss, some suspensions to get to, and some new faces in old places. Joining us to discuss the National Football League, Simi Buttar from the Associated Press. He is based out of New York City. Simi, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking some time on this Saturday afternoon. Uh, how strange is it to be around the New York Giants in their training camp without seeing Tom Coughlin on the sidelines?
2: It's a little different look out there. You know, he, he had a heck of a run here, he's actually still run in the area because he works. He's doing some work for the league, yeah. league office out of New York, but a little different look for the Giants uh, this season.
0: Why were the Giants confident that Ben McAdoo was the was the right man for the job to get them to the postseason for the first time in four seasons?
2: Well, the Giants are, are, are kind of built around their offense here with Eli and Odell Beckham, uh, and uh, hopefully for them, Victor Cruz coming back. The Giants are a kind of an uh, organization likes to keep things in house. I, mean, I know Kaufman was a little bit um, out of the organization, but they, they, they like to keep things sort of in house. Promote McAdoo, kind of keep it kind of slow and steady. That's how the Giants usually got, like to operate.
0: Now, obviously, he has a good relationship with Eli Manning. Eli Manning is going to turn 36 actually this season. Uh, how much more is left in the gas tank for Eli Manning? Obviously. He's getting up there in age. He's been in the NFL. It seems like forever. How many more years do you think Eli has left in him?
2: Well, obviously, health is be a yeah. big issue here. If you have behind his offensive line there, uh, which they kind of retweak re- in the last couple off seasons. I mean, we've seen plenty of older quarterbacks like Drew Brees, Brady, Roethlisberger, even Rivers. You know, they're all around the same age there. So older quarterbacks, as long as they obviously stay healthy and have a good offensive line, they can play a pretty long time nowadays.
0: We're joined by Simi Butarf from the Associated Press talking NFL. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. in his first season caught over 1,300 yards. In the second year, he caught over 1,400 yards. Are the Giants confident he can take another step forward? Because all the numbers he's putting up, they're already impressive. Can he get much better?
2: Well, I don't think how much better he can be. He's been tremendous so far in his young yeah. career. Uh, if the Giants can get Victor Cruz back, they'll take some pressure off Beckham. And also, they took a the player they took, wide receiver from Oklahoma, Shepard, uh, in the draft. If they add another option there in the offense, Eli, that'll you know that'll free up Beckham to even put
0: up some really outstanding numbers again. Are they confident that Victor Cruz can bounce back from injury to get back to his Pro Bowl self?
2: Uh, well, I think they're trying to be, be uh, conservative on that because he's been, he's been out for so long. and They're not going to rush him back right away. But I think if, you know, if he can get back to... If not 100%, maybe 80% of what he was, I think the Giants will take that.
0: Have the Giants been able to, to, to remain healthy during training camp?
2: So far, they're playing their second preseason game as we speak. Uh, they're out in Buffalo, so okay. we'll see if, you know, if you know, how they handle the rest of their preseason here.
0: Let's take a look at uh, the other uh, team in New York. That's the New York Jets. They're joined by Sammy Buttar from the Associated Press. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick definitely took his time in re-signing with the New York Jets, but they're coming off a 10-win season in which they didn't make the postseason now, I've said it on this show many times, I am a New York Jets fan, and watching that season last year, it's like they almost got, I don't know if luck is the right word, but it seemed like everything was firing on all cylinders for the Jets last year. Brandon Marshall had a great year, as did Eric Decker, as did Ryan Fitzpatrick. Do you think the Jets are poised to take a step forward, a step back, or maybe a step laterally?
2: Well, I mean, I think the Jets would take laterally in terms of the offensive production. Um, like you said, Decker and Marshall are great. Now, they've got Forte in the offseason. He's been banged up. has not really gotten on the field yet. Um, if they could take – I mean, I've seen Fitzpatrick's last game against Buffalo last year because him a playoff spot. Yeah. But in terms of the offense, they'll, they'll take that same production in a heartbeat. They'll sign up for that right now. And I think if they get that, they, you know, they'll be knocking on the door of the playoffs once again.
0: But can they get that same production? Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's no like he's no spring chicken. Is he capable of throwing for 31 touchdowns again?
2: Well, health obviously, like any yeah. quarterback. But I mean, I think he, they, you know, he, him and Marshall have a good uh, connection there. And Decker, Decker was great. They have the uh, they have the uh, weapons there on offense to do it for the Jets.
0: Uh, taking a look at the AFC East, Jerome Simi Butar from the Associated Press. The, new, the Jets get a bit of an advantage as the Patriots are going to be without Tom Brady for four games. I want to get your thoughts on some of these suspensions because Le'Veon Bell's had a suspension down to three. It's been well documented that a lot of the suspensions in the NFL do not make sense. So Le'Veon Bell going down from. Four to three. Brady's still getting four games. Simi, can you make sense of some of these NFL suspensions?
2: Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would be hard pressed to try to figure all that out. I know, like, like you said, Josh Bond got one, Bell got three, Brady got four, and there are obviously be different violations. But still, it's it's a, for, it can be re- bewildering for fans and even for uh, for us that cover the NFL. It's a hard to figure out sometimes.
0: Is Tom Brady going to miss the first four games. I think the Patriots could still go. Two and two and three and one, like we we saw this team go eleven and five with Matt Castle. And I look, I know that was almost ten years ago, but I'm not going to bet against Bill Belichick anytime really. What do you think the Patriots can do without Brady in those first four?
2: I mean, yeah, like week one, they're at Arizona on on Sunday night, yeah. and then the next three games are all at home. I believe it's uh, Buffalo, Miami, and Houston. All at home. I mean, they could they could conceivably win all those games. I mean, and you get the feeling that with uh, with Garoppolo in there for those games, you could play conservative. You know, obviously different quarterbacks, so you kind of maybe play a little more close to the vest running game, relying your defense, and maybe you try to pull out games like 17-14 or something like that. And uh, yeah, if they were three and one going into Brady's return week five against uh, at Cleveland, that would really surprise uh, probably very few people.
0: The New York, the New England Patriots have owned the AFC East for the better part of 15 or 16 years. I think maybe only one or two years they haven't won the division. But now the other three teams in, the, in that division are looking at maybe we have a chance. So out of the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills, which team do you think has the best chance to snatch away that AFC East title from the Patriots? Or do you think it's still theirs and it's not even close?
2: Well, you got to beat them until someone beats yeah. them. Like you said, consistently, you got to go with the Patriots. You know that's it's just like you said it's for so long, decade and a half plus. here they've been they've just been the uh, the top team.
0: Uh, Simi Buttar joins us from the Associated Press, talking NFL. The AFC North is traditionally one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. You have the Steelers, the Ravens, and the the two Ohio teams. The Ravens they have a couple wily old veterans returning to their lineup, including Steve Smith and uh, Terrell Suggs. That division, like I said, is usually tough. Both teams beat the snot out of each other over 17 games. If you had to, if we were in Vegas right now, and I give you a crisp $20 bill, who would you bet to win the AFC North?
2: Probably Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, they have the best quarterback in the division right now. I mean, nothing against Flacco or, uh, or even Andy Dalton. But, I, I, you okay. know, Roethlisberger is the best quarterback. I know Bell's going to miss a few games, but you have Antonio Brown. And that that, uh, that defense has been – they struggled a little bit last year, but – the Steelers are still, you know, the name brand in that division, and so they're the toughest team there. Um, like, like, those top three teams are kind of tough because, like, you know, it's usually Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Those games are absolute physical, just battles. And then and, and the Steelers and Bengals usually, the Steelers usually have the edge there, and the Bengals usually have the edge against the Ravens. So it's sort of odd how those three teams kind of match up against each other. But if, you, uh, pick, if I had to pick one team there in that division, I'll go with the Steelers.
0: Have you been watching Hard Knocks?
2: Uh, no, not for the Rams. I haven't. Okay. I've seen it in the past years a couple of times with the Bengals and some of the other teams, but I haven't seen it with the Rams yet. I've been, I've been in the office those nights uh, handling some of the preseason
0: games. It's been rather interesting watching the transition that team made from St. Louis to Los Angeles. So just get a couple of thoughts as we kind of get go behind closed doors. First of all, someone who covers the NFL, do you believe that, like, clearly it's one of the biggest markets in not just North America but in the world, but do you think the NFL can last in, in Los Angeles? Do people in L.A. care about the NFL?
2: Well, can they? I mean, is there just, I guess is there, is there enough people to yeah. justify, you know, the filling the stadium and and, and everything else? Uh, probably. I mean, I think once they build that new stadium up on Inglewood mm-hmm. in a few years, I, you know, that that's what the league wants to like have, make that a major West Coast uh, headquarters for them. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think before they had to deal with two teams, and assuming they only have the one here as of right now, they do. Mm-hmm. I think the LA market can usually handle one NFL team, especially again if they're good. And LA, that's how LA is. If, you know, if the Rams are winning and making playoffs, fans will show up and you will get celebrities and it'll be a big party out there.
0: Right now, Case Keenum is basically slated to be their starting quarterback. But uh, did you watch much of Jared Goff in, the, uh, in college? And do you think he can be a legit NFL quarterback down the road? I think so.
2: And I saw a little bit of the preseason game last week yeah. against Dallas. He looked pretty good. I mean, obviously, first game, first preseason game. But I think that you know the Rams are doing the right thing here. That's a team that's built, uh, has some good defense. And they're going to let, you know, let Case Keenum sort of uh, start out here and let Golf learn. And, you know, that's probably the best way to go instead of throwing him out there right away and let him kind of develop.
0: And lastly, Simi, we'll get out of here on this one. The Denver Broncos head into this season, the defending reigning Super Bowl champions. Uh, they don't have Peyton Manning at the helm. And obviously, I know that was not the Peyton Manning of old, as he, he did struggle a lot of stretches that season. but. Can they win? Or I guess, what do you think of the Denver Broncos heading in with the target now in the back? Can they win? Can they win the, even that division with the likes of Paxton Lynch or Mark Sanchez at quarterback?
2: Well, they even go with the young man, Simming, the starting start yeah. tonight a quarterback for them too. So yeah, I mean, they lost, and they lost pieces on defense, like most teams, the Super Bowl champs do. So I mean, and they were the defense, like you said, carried them last year. I mean, yeah. You know, do you go with Sanchez? Do you go with the Do you go with the kid? I mean, the quarterback. That's the key. Obviously, the key part there, mm-hmm. but. That's a team that's still built with defense and a team that has a winning pedigree and knows how to win. So, you know, in that division, like the Chiefs, can they get over the hump there? Can the Raiders make that next step? Um, and where are, the, where are the charges at? But I think mean, people still like Denver at this point. Yep. And, and it would be interesting to see where Kubiak goes with the quarterback there. Do they go with the veteran, the guy who's been to the playoffs been to the AFC Championship game, or do they go with uh, Simeon, who they seem to like here too? That's, that's an interesting question for Denver.
0: And, and uh, lastly, Simeon, this is just breaking now. A team that you cover in New York, according to Adam Schefter, the New York Jets have just released Bernard Pierce. That's coming from one of his sources. Are you surprised that the Jets make this move?
2: I mean I, think they, I mean, I think that means Matt Forte is probably closer to being healthy yeah.
0: and just the running back, so I think that's probably what, what the Jets are probably going with there.
2: So I think the Jets like where they are with their running game. Um, and I, I was back, cause that's like you said before, uh, they're still a pass-heavy offense, and I think if they like what Forte can bring, especially as a receiver out of the backfield, or just obviously handling the running duties, I think the Jets are pretty comfortable where they are with their ground game.
0: Simi, I appreciate your time. It is so great to be able to talk NFL again. Uh, thanks for this. We'll chat later on in the regular season. Thanks for having me. Simi Buttar from the Associated Press, chatting NFL. It's always great when a story breaks Uh, in the middle of an interview, you can throw something at him. The Jets releasing Bernard Pierce. When we began that interview, the Eskimos were down 8-0, and the Canadian Football League shows us why it can be a rather exciting league. Is it 13-8 now, or did they get the – extra? the Eskimos have taken the lead. Uh, Mike Riley threw a touchdown pass, a 30-yard touchdown pass to Nate Kuhorn, and then Pat Watkins had an interception, almost brought it to the house – and then, was it Calvin McCarty that just punched that in, Hernan? Calvin McCarty punched in. So the Eskimos now, after trailing very early on in this game, seems to have their mojo going a little bit. Uh, John White, a couple times I've glanced over, looks like he's kind of getting into the game. He's, getting, he's the leading receiver right now for the Eskimos, and he's also doing it on yeah. the ground with his legs.
1: Yeah, he's uh, really involved here in the first quarter. Uh, just a lot of dump-off passes, uh, kind of check down for uh, Mike Riley. So uh, an impressive start for John White.
0: Well, and that's one guy, and I know their offensive line has been banged up at times, Hernan. But I w- I had r- real high expectations for John White heading into this season. Last season, I thought he could have led the league in rushing had he stayed healthy. Remember, the Eskimos won 14 games yeah. with a carousel at running back. I had high expectations for John White, and maybe other fans did too. But to me, he really hasn't lived up to them at some point. At really any point in the first seven games so far, it's still very early in this game. But John White seems to be kind of not really willing the ball, but he seems to be running really well and. I know the Argos secondary is a little bit banged up. So Mike Riley is six for seven for 67 yards, only throwing one interception. Well, this only incomplete pass has been an interception so far. So the Eskimos, they lead now 13-8 to eight over the Argos. It's still in the first quarter. It's been a, a 14-8, excuse me, so in a very CFL-like first <laughs> yeah. quarter. I think that's the best way to sum it up, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah.
1: And uh, you always know when you're working with Mark Maggio because you get uh, some wrestling texts. 127 says, SummerSlam, SummerSlam. We'll
0: we'll get to that. Before (laughs) SummerSlam, we have NXT TakeOver tonight in Brooklyn. Hernan, you you don't watch wrestling, but usually before the majors, before the big four, we get your wrestling predictions. Are you ready to do some wrestling predictions later Uh, on in the show? I can't
1: wait. You doing your homework? Yes,
0: I am. Have you been watching the Cruiserweight Classic? No. I I
1: tune into Raw from time to time. I'm trying to get back into it. I was a huge wrestling fan. Uh, years ago, but then I kind of just uh, took yeah, a. You grew up. Well, that's fair. Well,
0: that's yeah. what happened. I wouldn't go that far. That's the, but... <laughs> one I hear the, that's the one I hear the
1: most all the time is, yeah. well.
0: I, I watched it when I was a kid. Now I'm a grown up. Hey, and, did, you, did you watch Game of Thrones last?
1: Sorry. Are you going to uh, WWE w- when they come here? Am <laughs> I going
0: to WWE <laughs> Edmonton?
1: Stupid question. Come on, her. You
0: and Yuk. I mean, Yukon Jack, it, the big man, Warren Barris. Yeah, yeah. Give those wrestlers a hard time. I'm a little surprised because we're giving away prizes, tickets yes, for that on are. the station. It's great. I love it. I was really hoping they would have gone to Rogers Place. And I know they still will go to Rogers Place. But I, I've said goodbye to Rexall Place like four yeah. times already. And I know I <laughs> i know I do sound like I'm whining, but I've said my farewells to that building. I can't sure. keep going back to that
1: building. No. And just uh, the quick uh, stats on John White we were talking about uh, has nine touches already, five for 22 rushing, four for 34 receiving.
0: Uh, we yes, thank you for that. We'll keep you updated as the Eskimo game continues. They lead by six points against the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, we were asking earlier on uh, in the show about the Olympics. Of course, Canada's tied their medal total from Atlanta back in 1996. Still have a couple chances to get more medals as they won bronze earlier today and could have actually had two medals as a Canadian finished fourth. Uh, women's high jump goes tonight at 5:30 with Alexandra Treasure. Melissa Bishop goes. For medal in the women's 800-meter, the men's 5,000-meter, Mohamed Ahmed, gets going at 630. And the 4x400-meter relay, Canada is in that for the women's. That gets going at 7 o'clock. Still a couple chances tomorrow for them to medal the marathon. There's two Canadians in that, as well as a couple Canadians in the field for mountain biking. I asked you guys, I asked Hernan. We both agreed Penny Oleksiak, that's who we have higher expectations for in the 2020 summer games. This text coming in at 10, 12, 60 standard message rates apply. It says DeGrasse gets the edge over Penny for me. Penny said she didn't expect to medal. Everyone was surprised by it and she took us all by storm, but she's been doing it for a decade already and I'm afraid she'll peak too soon. DeGrasse has only been sprinting for four years and is already being mentioned in the same breath as Bolt. Even Bolt, says DeGrasse is next up. I picked DeGrasse and the pressure of taking off Bolt's spot adds to the fastest man alive and surrounding mantra. Next Olympics for Canada will be a bigger deal for DeGrasse than Alexiak. Penny could do really well in 2020 and could dominate all swimming. And then it will be her time, rightly so. So really, Canada, for really a lot of athletics, it's starting to look up. The women's basketball team, a a devastating result. Like, I can't say that was a good result. Canada, they were supposed to do better than they did in hoops. and They couldn't get out of the quarterfinals. 2020 will be a big year for a lot of those teams. That team is still rather young. I bet you Kia Nurse will remember her performance in that quarterfinals in four years. She was not good in that quarterfinal game. Natalie Chonwa wasn't good in that quarterfinal game. That team will continue to get better. This The women's soccer team, back-to-back bronze. I know Christine Sinclair, that this was likely her Olympic swan song, but there's still a lot of real good young talent on that team. That's just on the women's side, the Canadian basketball team. If they ever get their, their NBA players to commit, Canada could put together a really good team top to bottom. Maybe not gold medal good, Maybe not be able to compete with the United States, but good enough to at least qualify for the Olympic Games. And men's soccer is a whole nother story. Hernan, do you think we'll ever see Canada in our lifetime be like a top? We're, like, they're not ranked in the top 50 right now for men's no. soccer. Right? Will they ever be like, we'll Will they play in a World Cup in our lifetime. Was 84, 84, 86? Was 86 they only 86? In
1: Mexico. Uh, are they yeah. ever like that's a great question? I would love
0: to see it, but in our lifetime, we're close to within five. Like in the next 40 years, are we ever
1: gonna see that? You know, a lot has got to change with the, the way they run that Canadian program. Uh yeah, it's, and it's gotta start from you know the 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 young level. Uh I hope because I'd, I think it'd be great for the country. It'd be awesome to see Canada in a World Cup. Yep. But yeah, right now it doesn't look promising, but one can only hope, right?
0: One can only hope. Canada has 22 medals so far, their most gold since 1992, and still a couple chances to surpass their total of 22 that they got way back in Atlanta in 1996. It's 2.39 in Edmonton. This is All Sports Weekend on TSN 1260. Mark Majot, Hernan Salas with you. The Eskimos lead the Argonauts by six, still in the first quarter. Matthew Wanick will slide by at halftime as he'll be back when this game wraps with the Montorio Homes Green and Gold post-game show. But coming up next... We're going back out to New York. Alan Krita from the New York Times. Hernan booked a guest from the Times to class this establishment up. Jimmy Vesey is now a member of the New York Rangers. Alan's going to tell us if he can have an impact right away and also talk the rest of the New York Ranger offseason. This is All Sports Weekend on TSN 1260 Edmonton Sports Leader. You're listening to All Sports Weekend with Mark Majot on Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. 244, welcome back to All Sports Weekend on TSN 1260. Mark Majou, Hernan Salas with you. The Eskimos continue to lead the Argonauts 14 to 8. Late in the first quarter, Matthew Wanick of the Dave Jamison Show and the Montorio Homes Green and Gold Kickoff Show will slide in at halftime to tell us what's been going on. Looks like it's turnovers, turnovers, turnovers at BMO Field. We'll keep you updated if anything happens. Yesterday, one of the bigger stories in the later half of the NHL season was where Jimmy Vc was going to sign. Yesterday, he announced he was taking his talents to Broadway and joining the New York Rangers. Joining us to discuss this is Alan Creta of the New York Times. You can follow him on Twitter at Akrita. Alan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend?
3: I'm great. Thank you very much. How are you doing? I'm
0: doing great. I appreciate you taking some time this afternoon. Before we get, to the, before we get to the Jimmy VC stuff, obviously, I think any sports fan has been watching the Olympics so far. You might get a different taste of what we get in the States, but have you been enjoying the Olympics so far? Has there been one thing that stood out for you?
3: Uh, sure. I mean, the athleticism. Uh, Usain Bolt, seeing yeah. a spectacular star like like him, Michael Phelps, seeing, witnessing that kind of greatness, always special. Uh, sure. I, mean, I, I always find though that the coverage is, gets a little sort of overwhelming. With there's so many sports, there's so much to be to be seen and try to see, but I, I look for the magical moments, like Usain Bolt winning his ninth medal last night. Just, just. Something about remembering where you were when you watched spectacular Olympic moments. And he, he exemplifies that. He just has never not risen to the occasion. So I think that's what the athletic part of the Olympics is all about. Uh, we, all, we all look for those moments. And uh, that, that would be my favorite, just, just watching him run and, and run away from the pack time and time again.
0: Yeah, for something that really doesn't take very long, like less than 10 seconds, the entire world seems to be watching. And it's funny, every every person I've asked that question to, regardless of what country they currently live in or where they were born, Bolt is one of those athletes that you're cheering for. Like, you want, you know he's going to win gold, so you're just rooting for your country to win silver or bronze. I don't think I've ever seen, I'm still young, but I've never seen an athlete transcend sports quite like Usain Bolt.
3: Quite like that. I mean, he just—how uh, does he find the space to to breathe that far ahead, that yeah. quickly every time? It's uh, and the angles, uh, the camera angles, really bring it home. And of course, the way he loves uh, the moment and embraces it so well—he's uh, he's definitely the, the the athlete for our time right I, now.
0: Yeah, Alan. Let's talk to some action on the ice. As the New York Rangers they able to land? One of the most coveted free agents that were still kicking around, Jimmy Vesey, an NCAA free agent. In your opinion, Alan, what put the Rangers over the top? What made Vc sign with the New York Rangers?
3: My sense, just from hearing him uh, speak of it uh, briefly last night on a, on a conference call with us and just hearing him a little bit along the way, I think it was his buddies from Boston uh, already being on the Rangers. Kevin Hayes uh, and him and he are childhood friends. Chris Kreider is from Boston. The Rangers also have Chris Drury in the fold, a uh, player personnel uh, expert now, and he's buddies with Jimmy Vc's agent. So I think all of that Boston stuff in New York helped in a big way. And, and maybe somewhere in there, Jimmy not know the details, but maybe he just didn't want to deal with the pressure of playing at home, but New York would seem to be the next best thing. And, He's already got friends uh, from home in the room. And I think he also likes the fact that they've gone younger. Uh, Apparently he had some good talks with Alain Vigneault, the coach, about where he might fit in. So they must have promised him uh, good minutes in that second or third line. Uh, He certainly has size and speed and can score. That's certainly something the Rangers and really every team needs. But it seems like perhaps it's just the right mix where he doesn't have the pressure to be the guy and he can – try his best to make his mark, to make that transition from college game to NHL, which is never easy. Uh, perhaps he'll have a supporting cast he can kind of rely on and and not have so much pressure right off the bat.
0: That might be one of the first times in history that Boston has actually helped New York in, in anything, as <laughs> we're joined by Alan Greta from the New rare. York Times. Yep. Um, so the Rangers, clearly, they believe he can have an impact right away in the NHL this season, or is it going to take some time for V.C. to get his feet wet?
3: I'm sure it will. I'm sure they're thinking it'll take most of this season. I mean, he is 23, so he's not as young as, say, a draft pick coming right out uh, a year or two at a junior and one year in the AHL. But it's hard to say. I mean, it's a different game. Everyone's fast. Everyone's bigger. Uh, you can't really take a night off in any NHL uh, night, a college game, uh, totally different. So there's really no way to tell. I know the Rangers went through this a few years ago. They signed Highly touted Hobie Baker winner, Matt Gilroy, also a Boston guy, also big expectations, a defenseman, and he just never quite lived up to the hype, lived up to the contract, didn't really work out. So it's not uh, just because you've won uh, plaudits in college, which are certainly notable, uh, no guarantee that will translate. But I like that his size uh, is impressive. Uh, He certainly knows how to score goals and – with the speed and youth and, and size the Rangers are trying to add throughout their lineup, he, it seems like he'll fit right in, and he definitely has the work ethic to back it up, and he's saying all the right things. So it, it looks like a good fit, but I'm sure they're going to give him some leeway, some time to, to figure it out, to to adjust to the NHL size and speed game.
0: We're joined by Alan Kreider for the New York Times discussing the New York Rangers and Jimmy V C agreeing to terms with the Rangers. Uh, General Manager Jeff gordon or Gordon, excuse me. He's been now in that job for just over a year. Is he starting to? Is is this team starting to look more like Gordon's team as opposed to a team that he inherited from Glenn Sather?
3: It is, and it, it's curious because he is—he's from Boston too, and, and his uh, his sort of pattern along the way now is being in more and more Boston guys. So he he made sure uh, to lock up Chris Kreider with a new contract. He's got VC now. Hayes signed to a new contract. It's an interesting dynamic that he's working with, but he's, he's definitely putting a stamp on it. He's not been shy. They, they haven't made the, quote, big splash move yet, but uh, they could not move Rick Nash, even if they seem to want to with his giant contract, $7.8 million per year. And, of course, he's got Henrik Lundqvist ready to go. who's still got five years in his deal, so he can't really do everything. At once, but he, mm-hmm. the pieces are going. It would seem in a logical direction, just not a very dramatic one. Um, no one's quite sure how not having Derek Brassard on their lineup will uh, will work out next year. I mean, he did lead them in goals this year with 27, and he's now in Ottawa, and we have they have Mika Zibanejad yeah. instead. So another question mark. But they see potential. They're, they have a system. Vino has has done well with mixing and matching lines in his three-year tenure, now going into his fourth year already. So it'll be interesting. And, yeah, there is a mark uh, being put on the team. I mean, he spoke yesterday that Glenn Saylor is still involved in the decision-making, still advising from his lifetime in hockey uh, if this can work or not work, from his opinion. So he's he is a silent partner in there somewhere, but it's, it's Jeff Gordon apparently making the call and, and being the public face of the Rangers here in 2016.
0: There's two teams in that New York. Well, there's there's one in Brooklyn, the Islanders, and there's one in, in New York with the Rangers. Out of those two teams, which team, Alan, in your opinion, is going, I know it's still early and injuries can come up, but which team on paper right now do you think is better? Is it the Rangers or the Islanders?
3: It's a good question. I've been thinking about that over the summer because the, the Islanders looked like they were poised to make a bigger leap, and they did win a round for the first time in 2016. 23 years, but then they had key pieces leaving. Caloposo signing in Buffalo, and unexpectedly, it would seem Franz Nielsen leaving, signing in Detroit. Then Matt Martin going to Toronto. So the, they have key parts missing, and they brought in Andrew Ladd and Jason Chimera. So unknown. I mean, they may they may struggle to find a new identity too. And the Rangers, of course, unceremoniously swept out uh, quickly in the first round by Pittsburgh in five games. A lot of question marks. So. I would say right now they're kind of even. Uh, they're To me, they're both bubble teams at the moment because the Devils have gotten better. The Flyers should be somewhat better. Of course, Pittsburgh is the champion. That division they're in is not going to be easy by any stretch, really, for any of those teams. So I think both New York teams have their work cut out for them. I don't see them sailing into the playoffs, as at least the Rangers have most every year. And the Islanders may have lived off the emotion of moving to Brooklyn. They got off to the fast start. But there's a lot of pressure now to get better. They made the final eight last year, and now they have to aim higher. And uh, the pressure's on, of course, with John Tavares Mm -hmm. and making him happy. He's got two years left in his contract. So they have to really make inroads. And and that pressure is something they haven't felt as an organization like this in a very long time. So I think, to me, they're right at this moment in late August. They're they're about even uh, bubble teams.
0: And, Alan, last one for you. I always ask writers from outside this market their thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers. Taylor Hall for Adam Larson earlier this summer that really set the city on fire here. A lot of Oiler fans are still torn on that trade. But Adam Larson in, Taylor Hall out, Milan Lucic in. A healthy Conor McDavid. Uh, from afar, what have you made of the Oilers offseason?
3: Certainly like all the youth, and I've been saying that for years, and just from an outsider's perspective, when you see them come in, there's so many interesting things uh, people characters you want to see of course conor mcdavid do what he can do and you want to see his supporting cast rise with him eberly newton hopkins uh yakupov too i mean they've always been sort of a mystery team uh, with all this talent all this untapped potential i think adding luchich is a big big help veteran winner certainly can help anchor some of the young guys perhaps conor mcdavid just in the one time i did see him last year a spectacular talent so that can only get better i mean the Taylor Hall coming east here, I was semi-surprised he would be the one to go. I thought I thought he would stay longer. Um, certainly the potential's always been there. I think he instantly makes the Devils better. So Adam Larson should help in Edmonton, but he was kind of another mystery figure with the Devils. So I think a little mysterious there. But I, I think the Oilers certainly are on an upswing, and I think the young talent adding Lucius to the pool of young talent maybe finally uh, paying some dividends. And then if the defense can be shored up with, with Larson, with Sakara, with some of the young talent, with them there too, perhaps better times for the Oilers. And you guys have Cam Talbot, who was a,
2: yeah.
3: a fine ranger when he was here, basically saved the season two years ago. So uh, confidence in goal and some veteran leadership to augment the young talent uh, should be a better year for the Oilers is what I'd predict.
0: Alan, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for the rundown. Enjoy the rest of summer as I guess with the World Cup, the NHL or hockey schedule really good ramps up in about two or three weeks. So Enjoy some downtime will. and we'll chat with you later Thank on you. the season. Thanks for your time. Alan Krita from the New York Times. As Jimmy Vc agreed to terms with the New York Rangers yesterday. It's 2.56 in Edmonton. This is All Sports Weekend. Mark Mijot, Hernan Salas with you. We have ourselves quite the entertaining game down at BMO. And last I checked, twenty-one to eight for the Eskimos.
1: Yeah, Riley hooked up. uh, Well, first he hooked up with a big seventy-yard pass to Watson, and then uh, Bowman finished it off. So yeah, they're rolling now, and they're uh, the offense is back out there after a quick two and out by uh, the Eskimos' defense. So
0: Mike Riley is nine for eleven so far this game, and his two incomplete passes are two interceptions. Is is that correct?
1: Yeah, so he's perfect. So So
0: every every (laughs) pass he's thrown has been (laughs) caught so far. Uh, John White so far uh, at yard, 49 yards on the ground on six carries. Uh, you mentioned Corey Watson catching that 70-yard connection. So John White already knocking on the door of 100 yards, and it's not even at halftime just yet. So the Eskimos lead 21-8, to eight, 12 minutes to go in the second quarter. We'll update you on that one. The Eskimos looking to get back to 500. As next Friday, they welcome Chris Jones and Saskatchewan Rough Riders to Commonwealth Stadium. That's going to be a great atmosphere, especially... Especially if the Eskimos can win, let's get back to five hundred. Could you imagine if the Riders? What would they be if they lose tonight? One and seven heading into Commonwealth. That would be a great atmosphere. So we'll keep you updated. Matthew Wanick of the Montorio Homes Green and Gold Kickoff Show. He will slide up at halftime to give us his thoughts. On this game, the first hour of the show is absolutely flown by. Go to tsn1260.ca for podcasts if you miss anything uh, throughout the day, throughout the week. There's lots of great content on that website as well. Still to come, in to hour number two, Corey Graham, the voice of the Oil Kings, will join us to discuss WHL offseason, a bit of the Olympics, and one of... His favorite groups, the Tragically Hip. They play their final show tonight at 6.30. Join TSN 1260 and the Bear at the Canadian Brew House as that show begins at 6.30 sharp. You're gonna to want to be in your seats before that. But coming up next, Jeff Fox. He's the founder and the editor-in-chief of MMA Manifesto.com. UFC202 goes tonight from Las Vegas. It's McGregor is it Diaz will tell you, or Jeff will tell us, if Conor McGregor made the proper adjustments he needs to make to defeat Nate Diaz. That coming up next as you're listening to All Sports Weekend on TSN 1260, Edmonton Sports Leader.